Amen. I have failed as your pastor. If I haven't taught you how to walk it, you know, how many of you can say it's one thing to get saved. It's another thing to live it, right? It's one thing to get saved. It's another thing to live it. Try forgiveness. Just, just one thing Jesus told us to do. How many of you can say, well, I just so easily forgive other people. Can anybody say that? No, isn't it like pulling wisdom tea sometimes? But I want to share with you what Jesus said about living it, walking it out, bearing fruit. Not just getting saved. Most everybody in here is saved. Not all of you, I would wager, but most of you going to heaven. And we tend to think that Christianity is all about just getting me to heaven, but it's not. Jesus has a will and a purpose for all of us between our salvation and the day we go to heaven. And we're going to read about that. And this is the third uh, installment in my series on Abide. And I'm just calling this today the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at what Jesus said about abiding. John 15, verse 4. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So he right there has told us something we cannot do. We cannot be fruitful if we don't abide in him. Now, verse 5, I'm the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, that person bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Now, regarding bearing fruit, you can change a flat tire. You know, you can go get a college degree. But when it comes to bearing fruit and supernatural things, we can't do anything, not anything, apart from him. Amen? So let's pray. Father, I pray that you will help us today to understand how to walk Christianity out, how to live it, and how to be victorious as a Christian. And I pray that you will give us divine illumination, speak to our hearts, and Lord, change us, rearrange us, renovate us today, renew our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, abide in the vine. Abide in the vine. Uh, you know, Jesus said a lot about bearing fruit, about how to walk with him. He talked about people that bear uh, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. In other words, Jesus is clearly intimating that some people are going to be more fruitful than others. But Jesus talked about bearing fruit. Now, a lot of people say, uh, what's the will of God? I wish I knew the will of God for me. I wish I understood what his will was for me. Uh, Man, I wish I knew God's will. Well, I'm telling you something today that is absolutely irrefutably, undeniably for every person in this room who is a Christian, what God's will is for you. As a collective church and as individuals, God has a reason for leaving you here. All right? He hasn't just left you here to breathe oxygen. God has left us here for a purpose. Here it is. Jesus said in the same chapter, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, picked you, selected you, that you would go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit would remain. Now watch this. He chose me. He chose you. And he said, you didn't go out and find me. I found you, right? 
because we were lost in our sin. We didn't know what we were doing. We were living in sin, blaspheming God, going our own way. And Jesus came and found us. And he knocked on the door of our heart. We said, Lord, forgive me and come into my heart. And when we did, we were saved, but not just for heaven. Because in heaven, we don't need to worry about bringing forth fruit. We will be like him, for we will see him as he is. It's only on earth that we are called to bring forth fruit. So he said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And let me tell you why. So that you would be fruitful. Fruitful is not talking about talent. It's not talking about um, making a bunch of money. It's not talking about anything material. Being fruitful is talking about spiritual things. I chose you that you wouldn't go and bring forth first inward fruit. And we know what it is. It's in Galatians 5. In Galatians 5, we're told what the fruit is that Jesus is looking for. And he said, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's long-suffering. It's gentleness. It's meekness. It's kindness, not meanness. It's faith. Uh, it's self-control. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Or all, In other words, self-control is what it really means. That's the fruit. Now, when I say love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, self-control, I'm describing Jesus. I just described Jesus. What was Jesus like? He was love. He had joy. Jesus laughed. Jesus enjoyed life. He had joy. I know that because in John 17, he said, Father, I pray that you would let them have my joy. So he was joyful. It's peace. He was a peaceful savior. It's long suffering. How many of you are so glad for the long suffering of Jesus this week with you and me? Right? I mean, thank God for long suffering. Oh, if he wasn't long suffering, I'd be a pile of ashes. And so would you probably, right? Gentleness. How many of you are thankful for the gentleness of Jesus? He's gentle. He's gentle. David, the psalmist said, your gentleness has made me great. All right. Uh, meekness, kindness. He's kind. He's not mean. God's not mean. Jesus isn't mean. Faith. He had perfect faith. Self-control. He never went out of control. You never see him lose his temper. You never see him go off the reservation in any kind of emotional display. No, he was always in control. Now he said, I've chosen you that you would go and bring forth that kind of fruit, that you would go and bring forth fruit. That's the kind of fruit that ought to be growing in us. You don't judge a person by their giftedness. You don't judge their spiritual level by their giftedness. You judge a person's spiritual level by their fruitfulness. I know a lot of people gifted out the wazoo, but they don't have any fruit, much, not much at all. They're fruit cakey sometimes. <laughs> right? But you can have a million gifts, but not bear any fruit. Uh, God's not looking for gifts. Gifts are sown. Fruit is grown. You receive a gift, but you grow fruit. Now he said, I've chosen you that you would go and grow fruit. Right? So that's the will of God. And it's also supposed to be outward. We're supposed to be touching other people for Jesus. Uh, you know, influencing people for Jesus. We're all called to be influencers. And Jesus said, you're the light of the world. 
You're the salt of the earth. That means you're an influencer. You're supposed to get out there and make a difference. Let me make a difference through you. My, my salvation of your life should be touching other people somehow, some way. Your influencers, kingdom influencers, that's what he's called us to be. Now, so I've called you and chosen you that you will go and bring forth inward and outward fruit. That's my will for you. And I'm gonna let you hang around on earth long enough to do it. Amen. Now, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you're gonna ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. We abide in him by obeying his word. We abide in him also by being filled with the spirit. Filled with the spirit. Jesus said, don't be drunk, or Paul wrote rather, but it might as well have been Jesus. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I got something better than drunkenness. I've got something better than, than the booze buzz. I've got something better than a booze buzz. Yeah. And, and, and what is it? Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And without being filled, listen to me, everybody. I want you to catch this today. Without being filled with the power of God's Spirit, you will not succeed in the Christian life. You will not succeed in fruit bearing. If we're not filled with the Spirit, we will not succeed in bearing fruit. We won't. In fact, if we don't learn how to be filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, Paul said, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walking in the Holy Spirit is how you subdue the flesh. It's how you kill sin in your life. It's how, it's how you put the devil down, the Spirit of God. If you, if you don't walk in the Spirit, your Christian life is going to look like this. Discouraged, depleted, defeated. God gave the Spirit for a reason. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing or some ethereal mist. No, the Holy Spirit is a he, personal pronoun he. Jesus said when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth and bring to your remembrance all things that I've spoken to you. He, everybody say he. There's a he living in you. The he, the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He, he has emotions. He loves. He can be grieved. He can, he can weep. He, he can have joy. He can rejoice. The Spirit of God is a person. He, has a, he is a person with emotions. Like Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He had emotions. He rejoiced. He had emotions. He loved. He had emotions. Spirit of God is no different. And he lives in us. And listen, the Christian life is designed to be lived out through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. It's not designed to be lived out by our willpower. By our trying to live it out. Because we can't do it. No, the, whole, the, the Christian life is designed to be lived out by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you are thankful for the Holy Spirit in your life? Seriously. I assure you, I would not be behind a pulpit but for the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I would never have gone into ministry but for the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, my life was transformed when I turned to Christ and he filled me with the Holy Spirit. It absolutely rocked my world and revolutionized my life. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you an orphan when I go back into heaven, but I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, because I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm going to, I'm going to come to you again in a different way. My spirit is going to be sent and he is going to guide you into all truth. He is going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He is going to help you, strengthen you, teach you guide you, enable you. He is going to be with you forever, Jesus said. Now, before the Spirit of God was poured out on the day of Pentecost, Jesus told his disciples, but you shall receive power. Listen to this, everybody. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, watch the word power. He said, when, when he comes upon you, it's going to be power. You're going to receive a type of power. Not like a powerful bulldozer that can go into a forest and push trees down. That's one kind of power. Not like a high horsepower car that you can get in and go zero to 60 in a few seconds. That's not the kind of power he's talking about. No, this is spiritual power. It's, it's infinitely greater than any natural power. You're going to receive spiritual power uh, like the world has never seen. Matter of fact, the word is dunamis. That's the Greek word, dunamis. Most of us have heard it. It's where we get the word dynamite. You're going to receive dynamite power, dynamite spiritual power when you come to Christ and ask him to forgive you and come into your heart. He's going to give you dynamite power, but it means more. Dunamis means miraculous power, might, strength, supernatural energy that produces powerful deeds and marvelous works. So let me change the verse. You shall receive miraculous power, might, strength, supernatural energy that produces powerful deeds and marvelous works when the Spirit has come upon you. Wow. We're talking power. We're talking the greatest power in the universe. We're talking incredible power. The word dunamis is found 120 times in the New Testament. It must be important. 120 times. The closing of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, for thine is the kingdom and the dunamis, the power and the glory forever. Amen. There it is. You know what I discovered? Every miracle that Jesus did, when the translators translated the Greek word uh, dunamis, when they translated it into English, it was always miracles. The miracles Jesus did. It's, it's from dunamis. It's always a, a dunamis miracle. A miracle wrought by the same power he put in you. Please get that. So many Christians are like somebody that goes and gets in a 400 horsepower car and they think it's a Volkswagen. 
They don't know what they have. They don't know what's in them. They don't know what they can do. I am. I'm going to. Thank you. <laughs> but isn't it true? We, we drive around like we got a Volkswagen and God gave us a 400 horsepower mean machine. He put in us the power that resided in Jesus and on Jesus and flowed through Jesus. Prior to ascending back into heaven, when his ministry was done, he'd been crucified and risen from the dead. He said to his disciples, behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. Now stop there. What's the promise? Well, there was no New Testament when Jesus said this. It hadn't been written yet. So what promise is he referring to? He's looking back. He's reaching back to Old Testament prophets. One of them is Joel. And Joel has said, it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. This is Joel. It will come, it will come about after this. Well, what's the this? What, what is the this that the outpouring of the spirit is going to come after? The this was the death of Christ for our sins on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. That's the this. And he said, it's going to happen after this. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men are going to have dreams. Your young men are going to see visions. In other words, the supernatural power of God is going to be moving and activating on, on people like never before in the history of the world after this. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Peter quoted this passage to the Pentecost crowd who were wondering, what in the world are we seeing these people? They're, they're, they're uh, declaring the, the glory of God in a language they've never learned. What is this about? Are they drunk? And Peter said, no, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. You're seeing a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. This is that. This is that. And the that happened after death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, he released such a blessing upon the world when he died and rose from the dead. You know, the cross was ground zero for hell. Matter of fact, the cross was a nuke dropped on hell. Yeah, it was. It, uh, it was the devil's worst nightmare. Because he instigated the killing of an innocent man who had never sinned. And he didn't know that he was putting on the cross his nemesis, the end of him. And on the cross, Jesus took away his power of death, hell, and the grave. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross of Christ. Amen. So it's spiritual power that the Holy Spirit puts upon us. And I want to just give you a couple of things that that power does for us in our life. Uh, I want to just share with you a few things that the Holy Spirit accomplishes when you come to Jesus. Now, I'm going to share the greatest miracle of all first. The power of the Holy Spirit transforms a person from the inside out. Oh, that's the greatest miracle of all. You want to really talk about a miracle? Let me tell you about a greater miracle than somebody getting out of a wheelchair or blind eyes being open or deaf ears being unstopped. 
I'm going to give you a greater miracle than somebody even being raised from the dead physically. Let me give you a greater one. That when you come to Christ, he makes you into, he transforms you into a brand new person on the inside. Now, in our day, we talk a lot about rehabilitation. But rehabilitation is inferior to transformation. Transformation is far superior to rehabilitation. Because rehabilitation uh, uh, may break a habit off your life. You, you may break the power of alcohol or get off some drug. You may go through some rehabilitative program, and that's great. I'm happy for you if you get freed. But, but it only changes something that has been habitual in your life. It does not change you on the inside. It doesn't change what you are, who you are, like transformation does. No. Rehabilitation puts a new coat on a man. Transformation puts a new man in the coat. Yeah, I'll take transformation over rehabilitation any day of the week. Rehabilitation is like when you remodel a house. It looks prettier, but it's still the same house. You've just renovated the same house, but that is not what getting saved does. No, transformation is like when you do away with the old house and build a brand new one. That's transformation. And listen, that's what the Holy Spirit does when we get saved. He comes to live inside of us. Real salvation is an inside job. It changes you from the inside. It does what no psychiatrist, psychologist, social worker, or rehabilitative program can ever do for you. That's right. Listen to this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's new. He's new. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. He's new. It's not rehab. It's transformation. He changes you from the inside out. That's why religion doesn't work. Religion is you trying to change yourself by doing certain things, jumping through certain hoops, but religion will never save you. You've got to have a transformation. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, listen to me, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things. Don't you understand Nicodemus? You've got to be born again. You've got to be changed from the inside out. Why do I need to be changed, Jeff? Because you're a sinner on the inside and so am I. We were born with a fallen nature. Born once, you're lost. Born twice, you're found. Born once, you're blind, spiritually. Born twice, you see, spiritually. Born once, you're going to hell. Born twice, you're going to heaven. That's the way it is. You, you can't, that's why I'm saying, we must be born again. And the greatest miracle that is available to mankind is to be born twice. Have you been born twice? Have you? Well, I'm a basically good person, Jeff. Well, okay. So you don't get traffic tickets and you might be a good parent and, and you're generally a, a good member of society. But in God's eyes, we're all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not a single solitary one. We need to be forgiven and born again. In, in the, after the end of the first service today, 
I gave a call for people to come to Christ and uh, several people responded. And there was one lady right down here crying out to God in tears for forgiveness and asking Jesus to come into her heart. And I watched it happen. It's the greatest miracle that can happen. I'm never, I, I'm never bored with it. I see it happen virtually every week, but I never get tired of it. Because I see them go from death to life, lost to found, blind to sight, hell to heaven. If I don't move on, I'm not going to finish my message. Let me move on. Secondly, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit can touch a sick body and heal it. Now, I'm only going to give you what the Bible says. I'm not up here to give you Jeffisms. I'm here to give you the Bible. Listen to what it said. Here's Dr. Luke. Luke was a doctor. And he tells us this. Now, it happened on a certain day as he, Jesus, was teaching that there were Pharisees, teachers of the law sitting by who had come come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Now, listen to this next phrase. And the power, the dunamis of the Lord was present to heal them. What's he telling us? The Holy Spirit, the power, the dunamis that was put in you and me when we were saved was present uniquely and particularly on this day to heal people. You think it was a one-time event? Listen to the next verse, Luke six nineteen. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power, same word dunamis, went out from him and he healed everyone. Jesus dripped healing power. It it exuded from him. It emanated from him. So much so that they knew, if I can just touch him, it's it's gonna touch me. The power of the Holy Spirit. The woman with the issue of blood who had spent all of her money on doctors. Can you imagine that? No Medicare, no insurance. And she has spent every dime she had to get healed of an issue of blood. Maybe she was a hemophiliac. I don't know. But it was killing her. And she was out of money. She was the end of the rope. She was standing looking over the cliff. I don't have any more money to get any more doctors, but all the ones I've already hired, they failed. Nobody has helped me. What am I going to do? And then she heard about Jesus. And just hearing about Jesus, her faith leapt inside. She went and found him. And the faith, God gave her faith. She said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. And she pressed through the crowd. You know, when you want to be healed, you don't care what people think. When you need God to do something, you don't care what people think. She pressed through the crowd. They're saying, who are you? Get out of my way. What are you pushing me for? I don't care. I'm not even hearing you. I've got to touch him. And she got through and she touched the hem of his garment instantly. But look at what Jesus said. Jesus stopped in his tracks and wheeled around and said, somebody deliberately touched me. For I felt healing power, dunamis, go out from me. How is it that the Spirit of God manifests in different ways according to his will? And sometimes, some Sundays, you know, we'll see a lot of people get saved. Other Sundays, 
Not so much. It's more just a, a ministry to the body. But other times you'll, you'll see people get healed because the Holy Spirit will move according to his will. Jesus said he's like the wind. Uh, he, he, he blows across a place like the wind. He comes in like the wind, though he's not a wind, he's a person. But what Jesus was saying is he shows up, you know not from where, he shows up unexpectedly and touches people. It looks random, but he does it on purpose. And then he moves on. I believe he's in this place today, touching people. Third thing, and I'm going to close with this. Supernaturally present is the Holy Spirit when we witness to others about Jesus. He is supernaturally present when we witness about Jesus. Now, I told you, every one of you and I, I'm included, are influencers. We're supposed to be kingdom influencers. You're salt and you're light, every one of you. I am too, salt and light. I'm supposed to be a kingdom influencer. That is, I should be exporting what God did, what God imported to me. He imported his love and his salvation. Now I'm supposed to export it out to others. And here's the deal. When I do it, I'm not doing it alone. Luke says this. And with great power, talking about the early church in the book of Acts, with great power, dunamis again, the apostles gave witness, gave witness, gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There's two greats in that verse, great power and great grace. That's what the early church looked like. But look what it says. As they witnessed, there was a great power behind it. I'm gonna close with a testimony. Two real quick ones. Now I've told you when God called me to preach, I was terrified because I had terrible stage fright. I mean, two or three or more people and my lower lip would shake and, and I would turn red and, and I would think, I'm not saying anything anybody wants to hear. And, and, and I could not, I could not, I'm telling you, God knows I could not talk to a crowd. Doesn't God have a sense of humor? Look at me up here, right? Here I am. Never say never. So here I am. I get saved and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and a burning began to work in me that I could not deny to communicate the word of God, to declare it. I mean, it was chewing me up alive. It was a fire shut up in my bones that I could not ignore. And the more I prayed for it to go away, the worse it got. But I wasn't about to get up in front of people and preach anything. So you know what God had to do? I had a spiritual father who told me a sanctified lie. He was going to the juvenile home twice a week where I'd gotten saved, okay? He's going to the juvenile home twice a week where I'd gotten saved. And he'd always been trying to get me to go with him. I said, I'm not gonna go in there, man. I was there. I'm not gonna face those kids and talk to them about Jesus. No way, that's not me. I have stage fright. You don't understand. How many of you have looked up at God and said, I think you don't understand. <laughs> and of course, he understands everything, right? But I would tell God, apparently you, you, you do not know that I have stage fright. But so he lied to me. He said, Hey Jeff, just come down to juvenile home with us and just watch the way we do it. You don't have to do anything. Just sit there. I said, okay, I'll come and just watch. So he lied to me. 
because we got to the juvenile home and here's about 50 juvenile delinquents out there, all males out there sitting where I had sat two years before. And they sang a couple of songs. And then this man, who was a spiritual father to me, got up and said, so good to see, see all of you here today. We have a young man with us. And I'm starting to look around for the young man. <laughs> and he said, we got a young man with us who's going to share with you what Jesus did for him right here in this place. Come on up, Jeff. Oh, I could have killed him. I, I felt... And, and I stood up and I had this weird sensation of watching a mouth move, but I'm not there. It's just talking. And I spit out my testimony. I mean, it had to be in two or three minutes. And I gave this invitation. I just said, if anybody wants Jesus, because I'd seen somebody else do it. And so I did it. And I turned around and I grabbed a chair and I sat down in the chair and I looked up and I'm surrounded by teenagers crying, wanting to be saved. And, and you know what it said to me? It said to me, when I talk about Jesus, I'm not alone. There was a power with me because I, I'm sure did a terrible job professionally speaking, but a bunch of them got saved. And it was that way. I went for four years after that, twice a week. Never did we not see a bunch of them saved because you as an influencer have a power with you, the dunamis power of the Holy spirit. One other quick story and I'm closing. You know, I love dogs. I love dogs so much. I bought another one last week. Yeah, I did. All they got to do is look at me with that look and I'm sunk. It's like, don't take me where, don't let me go into a pet smart alone. I will come out with something. But anyway, um, now we, we got the dog and the owners brought the dog. Beautiful dog, Belgian shepherd, beautiful dog. But the owners brought the dog and said, we had a house and we've lost our house. Because why are you getting rid of this beautiful dog? We lost our house. She starts crying. We lost our house. We're having to move into a trailer. We can't take all of our dogs. They had three dogs. We can't take all of them. We've got to get rid of two. And so we kept the dog for a couple of days, see if it would work out, and it did. So she came back to seal the deal and for me to give her the check. So she's in the house alone with me and Cindy, and the house came up again. And she just broke down. Now, we had already discerned they were not Christians. They were not Christians. Because they looked at me real weird when they knew I was a pastor. It's always that look. <laughs> right? When you're a pastor. And sort of like, have I said anything or done anything before I knew this? So, anyway, we knew they weren't. So, she's in the hall. And we said, do you want to say goodbye to the dog? And she starts crying again. I said, and suddenly I knew, move in. So I said, 
do you mind if we pray for you? I know you're not a Christian and I don't want to offend you, but it would be okay if we prayed for you. I grabbed her hand before she could even think, right? And I said, let, let me, let us pray with you. And boy, I started Jesus this, Jesus that, and Jesus the other. I was witnessing in the prayer and I prayed for her and we prayed for her and her husband because they were losing everything. They were losing everything. Their world had fallen apart. And so I just prayed, we prayed that God would help them. And you know what? As soon as I said, can we pray for you? He was there. I felt it. And I wasn't alone. And I know this, my prayer, I didn't feel led to move in and really push her and all that. I wanted to sow seed. And so I prayed a prayer in Jesus name over and over again. And you could tell it shocked her and it took her off guard and it was new to her. But I guarantee you, she walked away going, whoa. But see, we weren't alone. And I know the Holy Spirit touched her heart. All right, stand up with me, would you? So I want us to pray for that power. I want you to know, dear church, the power of the Holy Spirit is yours. He gave you the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's one way we abide. How many of you are thankful for the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit? Amen. So let's, let's pray together. Father, I just pray your blessing on the people of God. I pray for your ministry and for your touch. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray. Help us to abide in the vine each and every day, getting into your word, going into the place of prayer. Help us to abide. And maybe today, with your heads bowed, please, maybe today you can say, I don't know if I've been born twice. I don't know if I've been born twice. Have you been born twice? Have you been born again? I'm not saying, did you get religion? Have you been in church? None of that. I'm saying, have you been born again? Has Jesus come into your heart? Has he made you into a new person? Have you experienced salvation through Christ? If you haven't, it's okay. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. It's the one thing you should settle before you settle anything else. Are you born again? You know deep down if you have been or not. And you can be right now. Jesus is as close as a prayer. Let's pray right now. If you need to pray this prayer, pray it. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against other people and I've sinned against myself. Forgive me, Lord. I ask you to wash me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Come into my heart, Jesus, as Savior and Lord. I ask you to save me this moment as I place my faith in you. In Jesus' name.